today we're going to go, we're going back um, to the basics and learn some Talmud together. But we're going, um, you know, this is, they say, as we know, the Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur is coming up. And um, I just want to make sure you paid your dues so you get a seat in, on your Zoom. It's here, you got to get a seat in your, in your living room. So uh, they say, as we know, next week is Rosh Chodesh Elul, I believe, a week before Rosh Chodesh Elul. So in the old days, when I was in yeshiva, they would say that in Europe, in the yeshivas, um, ready, you know, when it came Rosh Chodesh Elul, you can smell Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. Like people would be nervous; they would be, uh, be coming to Minyan more often. We doing, you know, trying to. People were anxious already. So, what? Huh? What did you say? <laughs> so uh, that's not my bells. I don't know whose it is. Um, anyway, so so uh, so I want to start uh, start a little with at least we're going to go straight into Yom Kippur, which is the question we 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 did discuss a few months back, beginning of Corona about fasting and who has to fast and that whole story through Yisrael Salater. I'd like to start from the original source. It has nothing to do with that story. Just, um, it's a much bigger issue, not only relevant to Yom Kippur, which is um, who, when you have an argument between a patient and doctor, who wins, generally speaking. Um, so the Talmud discusses that in the context of Yom Kippur. When you have a disagreement um, as to whether the patient's ill or not, um, it can be go both ways. You have the doctor saying the patient's ill, the patient saying they're not ill, they don't have to break their fast, or vice versa. So there's a nice piece of Talmud which I'd like to start from there, and then we'll apply that um, to various scenarios. Um, so we're going to read from the Talmud. I have it. I'm going to share the screen here. Good morning, Manny. Um, so we're going to start with the Talmud. So everyone can bear with me as I try to share my screen. Okay, everyone see that there? Everybody with me here? Okay, so this, by the way, this question we're going to discuss is very relevant not only to Yom Kippur, as we're going to see, it's also very relevant, this has come up, uh, people have asked this question on, on this before, during Corona, is obviously today there's a big debate in society, even in the medical field, of who's correct as it relates to various issues of wearing masks, of etc., and all these uh, quote-unquote medical questions. Um, when you have different opinions, different opinions of doctors, so how does how does one decide? Do you listen to the expert doctor, to the non-expert doctor, to the president, to the president's spokesperson, to Twitter? Google, there's a lot of options we have in our society. And the question becomes, who are we supposed to be listening to when you have different opinions? Um, how does that work? So, so we're going to do it all in the context of Yom Kippur, but like I said, it's very applicable to many questions happening today, not only as it relates to Yom Kippur. So just to begin um, here, we have here, this is just a verse about Yom Kippur, as we discussed many times. There really is no explicit prohibition or um, of eating on Yom Kippur. It's all a derivation of the verse from this verse here, which um, the Pasuk in Leviticus in Pasha Emar, I believe, says, um, and again, by the way, it is repeated also in this week's Pasha, Pasha Rei, I also uh, think, talks mentioned Yom Kippur. So with all it says there is um, on the 10th day of the month, of the seventh month, which is the month of Tishrei, which is the seventh month, um, on the calendar, even though we call Tishrei the first month, but that's later. It's a long story. Ron can explain that to you in a private chat. But in the Torah, the, the months start from the the first month is Nisan. That's when we redeemed from Egypt. So that is when the Jewish people, so to speak, were founded. So that's when is the Torah's counting of the first month. So the month of Tishrei, which is Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, is actually the seventh month in the Torah. So it says, it shall be a sacred occasion for you, you shall practice self-denial. Okay, in Hebrew the word is much better, inisem, or um, doesn't really mean self-denial, it means affliction, um, hold back, and exactly what that means, it's not clear. The Talmud in Tractate Yoma, 
um, discusses it. We're not going to get into that today, but um, understands affliction to mean, at least on the basic level, not eating. Although uh, there, I could find many more interpretations of affliction, such as having your mother-in-law come for your kipper for the holidays. That would be my idea of affliction. You know, not eating is a lower down on the rung of what's considered affliction. But uh, the, again, the Talmud goes through various choices of what the interpretation of affliction is, um, and it decides, at least on a biblical level, affliction means no food for Jews. No food for Jews is up there for affliction. So it says, for it is a day of atonement, on which expiation, and I have no idea what that word means, is made on your behalf before Hashem your God. Indeed, any person who does not practice self-denial throughout that day shall be cut off from their kin. So it's one of the, it's a very severe prohibition, breaking your fast on Yom Kippur. It's, uh, it's uh, what's called, what we call karet, the violation incurs the punishment of karet, which is some type of um, spiritual death, exactly, it's not clear. And whoever does any work throughout that day, so of course there's a prohibition, it's like Shabbat. Uh, the Torah call, actually calls it Shabbat Shabbaton, which is the Sabbath of Sabbaths. So Kippur is just like Shabbat, so you're not allowed to work. Any of the 39 prohibited labors are also prohibited on Yom Kippur. And will cause that person to perish from among the people. Okay, so that's just to show the severity. Someone's eating breakfast, they need to mute themselves. Whoever's cooking breakfast, please mute yourself. Eddie, is that you on the boat? Cooking breakfast. If you're making pancakes, you have to serve, you have to share with everyone. Okay, but someone who's who's making who's clinking dishes here. I don't know. Okay, whoever's doing that, mute yourself for or we'll have to meet you. Okay, so anyway, that is the original prohibition in the Torah of Yom Kippur. And um, so that's just to show how severe it is. Now, of course, we know when it comes to illness and life, the Torah, we usually swing the pendulum and we're very lenient um, on that. Okay, so the, this is the Mishnah in Tracted Yom, and it says like this. I'm going to read the Hebrew translate. The Mishnah says, Cholom Achilin also, you may feed an ill person, a sick person on Yom Kippur, only with the expert advice, with advice based on expert advice. That means expert means medical advice. It doesn't mean Google. Um, it doesn't mean Twitter. It doesn't mean the president. It means expert. Okay, Fauci. Um, assuming you classify Fauci as an expert. Not everyone does these days. But uh, So that would be expert advice. If, if Dr. Fauci says you need to eat, then you can eat. The main Shambikim, but if you don't have any experts around, so I don't know which shul this, this guy's davening in, but I never met, I was never in a shul without ex medical, expert medical advice, um, at least 10 of them usually. So for whatever reason, this guy's in a place where there's no expert medical advice. He's living in some non-Jewish state, and there's no uh, doctors in the shul where he davens. Um, he's in Wyoming or maybe Nevada, I don't know. So also so, so then you're allowed to feed the patient um, based on his own um, on his own say so that he needs that he needs uh, to eat. Okay. Um until he says he ate enough. Okay, so again, so here the mission is saying very clearly, saying two different things. One is to decide if a patient needs to break their fast on Yom Kippur, you need expert advice. Now, that could be before Yom Kippur. Of course, it doesn't have to be on Yom Kippur. It means if you went to his physician, he's a diabetic, and or it's a pregnant woman, whatever the case is, and the, the physician states that the person needs to break their fast, um, not to fast this Yom Kippur. So then, the mission is saying very clearly, in that situation, um, he's allowed to. The expert... Um, we have to define what the word expert means. That's important to defining expert. But let's assume um, expert means eh, a doctor at, the, at this point. Okay, so, oops, sorry for moving the text there. So then that's one way to get a leniency for Yom Kippur, to get a, 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 a get-out-of-jail-free card. And the second thing is if there are no experts around, 
then you can rely on himself, on the patient himself. Okay, so that's the very uh, Mishnah um, that states that. Now, before we move on to the next Talmud, just I'm looking here in the Mishnah Burah, which is the Chafetz Chaim's interpretation on the law here in the Shulchan because the Shulchan Aruch does rule like that. In the Shulchan Aruch's language, is Cholasheh, and you don't have it on your screen, but I'm going to read it to you. Cholasheh, um, Sarech Lechel, the Chola has to eat on Yom Kippur, a, a patient. In Yesham Rofi Baki, if there's an expert physician, a Kachavim, even a non Jewish physician. Because as we know, of course, the, who's the best doctors? The Jewish doctors are always the best. So even if it's a non-Jewish doctor, I'll explain that in a second. Shaomer, um, that if we don't feed him, his illness might get worse. He's stacking and get, and he might be in danger. Then you can feed him based on the words of that doctor. And very importantly, so two things he's saying here. One is, Shulchan is saying, it doesn't have to be that if he, that if he's, fast he's going to die. It's sufficient that even if he's fine now, but if he fasts, let's say he has uh, um, corona would surely be a dangerous illness, but let's say he has the flu or something that's not so dangerous and by fasting it could lower his immune system or it can make the person susceptible to get more ill, to become coming more ill than he currently is, which could cause danger, that's sufficient reason to, for him to eat. It doesn't have to be that if he fasts that he's going to literally be in a case of danger. It's sufficient as long as it can make his present illness, which is not a dangerous illness, worse, and he could get into a situation of danger. That's sufficient. Okay, that's number one. Now, interestingly enough, the reason why it's not that we think Jewish doctors are better, um, which they are, of course, but the reason why I mentions even if he's a non-Jew is because Part of this, and I've dealt with this as a rabbi and, and speaking to physicians for various patients many times, consulting with physicians, is if you have a doctor who's not Jewish or totally, and not even a Jewish doctor who's not religious, doesn't understand the nuances of how important Yom Kippur is in our religion and how, how much, how, um, okay, how important Yom Kippur is, so that alone um, could affect his decision because many times let's say I've found especially with uh, for example OBGYNs and pregnant women they'll tell if the any almost any patient um, a woman who's pregnant asks their doctor should they fast and kip her the doctor's going to say don't fast but medically speaking there's many articles and studies been done and it really does not affect um, unless towards really at the end the night you know really at the end of the term meaning um, when she's ready due it could induce labor could cause earlier labor maybe but in most cases a healthy woman healthy pregnancy is not high risk is not going to be affected whatsoever by fasting in Yom Kippur but the OBGYN is not understanding uh, Yom Kippur they're just going to say don't fast you know they don't want to they don't want to be liable if something happens so that's what they're going to say but a from doctor or someone a religious Jewish doctor who understands or even uh, who understands the nuances of of the religion obviously that's going to he's going to have a different opinion once he, he knows the studies and he, know how, he knows how important it is to a religious Jew about fasting Yom Kippur. So that's why um, the Shulchan Aruch mentions even if a non-Jewish doctor says shouldn't fast, you still listen because that's where it, it comes into play, this issue. Okay, now we're going to see Bucky, an expert, doesn't necessarily, is not limited to experts um, specifically. It doesn't mean you have to call Dr. Fauci every time you have a question. Right? It means someone who has knowledge of the illness, real knowledge, medical knowledge, not just, um, you know, again, Google knowledge, not just WebMD, um, etc. So it has to be something that's real knowledge. Um, again, it doesn't necessarily even have to be a doctor, but someone who's in research, an epidemiologist, let's say, when it comes to, to COVID-19, things like that, where they understand how the, how the medicines work and how, um, how the illness is working doesn't have to be an MD specifically. Someone who's knowledgeable, okay? So that's important to know. When it says Biki in here, that's the key word here I'm pointing to on the screen. Bucky means an expert. Um, it doesn't, expert doesn't have to mean someone who's a, one of the greatest experts. Ed, go ahead.
So, um, yes, I believe so. Meaning, halacha. First, first of all, two things. The first, I just want to address your first point. is a very important point before you get to the, the which which the non-Jewish one. The, the the first point is risk benefit. When it comes to danger to life, we don't necessarily, in the, at least in these cases, we don't look at risk benefit. And if there's any risk, even if the benefit in this case, let's say one can argue, arguably that Yom Kippur outweighs the, 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 what you gain from fasting and Yom Kippur, whatever, it's the atonement, whatever it is, outweighs the, benef- the risk of, to your health, that's irrelevant. Because any time there's a risk to your health, as we're going to see in a second, automatically that overrides any mitzvah in the Torah, as we know. So therefore, it's not about risk-benefit. That's irrelevant. Um, if there's any, if there's a, you know, 3% chance risk that this person could be put in danger, um, by fasting, or the fetus, let's say the woman is pregnant, or fetus can be put in danger. Automatically, we're gonna shut Yom Kippur down, and that's what we're gonna see in, in a second. So, so the risk-benefit is irrelevant in this particular scenario. There are cases in Alecha where we will view risk-benefit, which is if he's gonna die anyway, meaning we have a treatment that's risky versus being passive. So that's where it's, that's where risk-benefit is irrelevant. But whenever it comes to uh, mitzvah versus risk-benefit, versus risk, the risk is always going to win out, even if it's a much, a very small statistical risk. Okay, so that's, I want to get that out of the way, and we're going to see that in a second, when you have differences of opinion, how that works. So that's very important that you brought that up. Um, Risk-benefit is irrelevant to this question. Is that clear? Eddie, okay, that's number one. Now, as far as religion, not religious, I, I only brought that in because I'm explaining why the Mishnah makes no mention of who you, which type of physician you're consulting. It says you're consulting, consulting an expert. Okay, um, as we said, an expert could mean anything besides Wikipedia, meaning something that's valid medical information. Um, the only reason the Shulchan Aruch says even a non-Jew, again, is like I said, not because we it's necessarily saying Jewish doctors are better. It's just there is. You could have thought there's a component here of the doctor needs to understand the religious ramifications of the question. And what we're saying is no. We're saying it's irrelevant in this case. The religious ramifications are not to be taken into account either, like you're saying. Meaning, don't look at the, the oh my gosh, I'm kept for such a great day and therefore we can't break our fast. And therefore this doctor doesn't understand well, Yom Kippur is, of course, he's going to be, you know, he's going to cover his bases. He has, he's worried about malpractice or whatever it is, and liability. So he's going to say, break your fast. No, we don't look at that. But you could have thought, one could have thought that that's relevant. And therefore, you should go to someone who understands the concept of, of our religion. And he's saying, no, don't, that's irrelevant. Now, there will be cases where it might come into play, where you have, let's say, a non-Jewish doctor versus a Jewish religious doctor stating their opinions, and they're both equal experts. So in that case, it might come into play whether they understand the ramifications of a Kippur, maybe. So we'll get there, maybe later. When you have two, two, one versus one, who would I listen to? Um, but generally speaking, we're saying it's irrelevant to whether the person, the religious issues, leave that out of the question here. It's purely, and this is a good point that Ed's pointing out, it's purely a medical question. What are the medical facts here? That's all we care about. When the halacha when it is based on medical facts. Okay, so if there's any, as we're saying, even an almost a negligible risk, we're gonna be lenient. Um, so therefore, it's only relevant, the you know, medical facts are only what's relevant. You don't look at the economic factors and other factors, when it's more religious factors here, as, you, as you're pointing out. So that's a very good point. Um, okay, so let, now let's move on to the Gemara. So the Gemara, um, the Talmud, so that was the Mishnah, now the Talmud, tends to now try to dissect the Mishnah and try to understand what's going on here. So the, so it quotes the Mishnah here in the first line. If you see it on your screen, I'm pointing to it. It says, Chola, we, we were taught in the Mishnah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it in Hebrew. It's easier for me. Aramaic. That's my first language is Aramaic. Um, I grew up in Brooklyn. So um, Chola, it says here, um, it's quoting the Mishnah. The first words, Chola, Machilunas, Apibikin. You feed the patient based on expert an expert who says he needs to eat. Amar Abiyane, so Abiyane made a statement. What happens if you have the patient saying one thing and the doctor saying something else? Chola Amr Tzarich, the patient says I need to eat. He says I'm, gonna, I'm dying. And the patient, and again, we're not talking about it, just the patient saying, you know, I'm hungry. Obviously we're all hungry on Yom Kippur. 
um, we're talking about where he's saying, I really feel ill and I'm going to pass out and, you know, I'm, I'm seeing stars. Okay? So the patient says, I need to eat. The doctor's saying, chill out. So doctor and shul, and uh, as I heard from many doctors and Beth Isher and some on this chat, who most of their service, not only on Yom Kippur, even during the year, they're spending the time in the bathroom with the person dropping their pants and showing them and trying to diagnose them. Um, so that's why many doctors don't go to shul. Spend so much time uh, people asking them questions. Many have heard that. <laughs> have you had people drop their pants in shul for you? Oh, okay, we're going to get that. One sec. Okay, so the Talmud disagrees with you. Here we have a case, the Talmud disagreeing with the doctor. So let's read it. We didn't, you just stole my puncher. We didn't read it yet. Let's read it first. So it says, that, again, the patient says, I need to eat. And the doctor says, Nah, this guy's totally fine. Don't worry about it. He's just uh, he's having a bad day. He's having his caffeine withdrawal. There's nothing dangerous about this. So says the Talmud, you listen to the patient versus the doctor in this case and you let the guy break his fast you give him to eat bring him his, his uh, whatever he needs marshmallows Nighttime, so says the Talmud just doesn't just say it it's not an arbitrary statement here the reason is we have a verse in Proverbs King Solomon says the heart of a person knows his own bitterness okay that's King Solomon's wisdom um, and once I wait, let me finish, let me finish. And so basically what it seems he's saying here is, the heart, I mean, they translate it a lot better here, the heart knows the bitterness of its soul. Meaning, an ill person knows the intensity of his pain and weakness. And doctors cannot say otherwise. So a patient knows more about what's going on in his body many times than the doctor. Now, Mandy clearly disagrees. Um, I'm going to move down the screen here. Many your patients were not pious, I can tell you. Um, but Shelley and I believe other doctors on this chat, we need them to speak up, have told me many times, I think we said this a few weeks back, that if uh, their patient, they're going into surgery, the William make a surgery in the morning, and the patient says, Doc, I feel like I'm going to die in the surgery, they wheel him right back. So I don't know if it's based on this verse or based on their, li their malpractice insurance. Um, but some of them could speak up and, and maybe talk to this case and, and let us know. Shelly, go ahead. Yeah. One second, one second, one second. Stop right there. Ron is agreeing with the Talmud here. I just want that down for the record. Ron, can you say that loud and clear? Can you put this in writing? Can you put this in writing? So is it because you're just worried, or is it because of heebie-jeebie? Like, what, what, what's the truth? <laughs> okay, I didn't know you believe in this stuff. One second, let me just get this straight. You don't believe in the Talmud, but heebie-jeebies is fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. You go with the heebie-jeebie. Okay, Shelly, what are you going to say? Yes, we're going to see in a second, of course, the opposite way. There's two things. One is, let's say the patient is saying, I don't need to eat. The doctor says, I do need to eat. Of course, we're going to go with the doctor in that case. So meaning again, Shelley, and this is important because you're bringing up, as we're going to see from further down in the Gemara, from other scenarios, that of course, if there's a danger to the patient involved the opposite way, meaning if they, the patient say, I don't need to eat, that's the next case, and the doctor says he does need to eat, we're going to go with the doctor. So anytime the doctor is being more cautious than the patient, we're going to go with the patient. It's only here when the patient is being more cautious where we're going to listen to him. Um, now, again, in a case where, let's say, the doctor is saying by, by uh, eating, the patient will be more harmed, let's say. The halacha discusses that. Let's say the patient saying, I need to eat or I'm going to die. And the doctor says, this case right here that we're looking at. And the, doc and the doctor says, uh, not that they don't need to eat, but the doctor says if they eat, it actually will make their illness worse. I don't know what illness that may be, but whatever it is, they're, they're going to eat fat meat and they're, 
that can cause their heart to, to go into cardiac arrest, it's too much, you know, they're diabetic, whatever the case is. So in that case, of course, they discussed that's going to be different too. We, we're not necessarily going to listen to the patient there. Um, anytime there's, there's a risk in what the patient is suggesting, uh, like, like Ron's case, we're saying is they're saying we need to do this treatment ASAP, the surgery, whatever it is, or give this cancer treatment, and the patient's saying, no, I'm going to take my fish oil. Of course we don't listen to the patient. We're talking about in a scenario, uh, specifically this type of scenario, where the on your kipper, the patient's saying, listen, I feel my body, I, if I don't eat, I'm going to pass out or whatever the case is. That's the scenario we're dealing with. So in that case, we're going to be more lenient. And I'll explain, um, and I'm going to address Shelly's point in a second. Shelly lets me, because we're talking too much today, yeah. kill them. No, so you wasn't you weren't the one who killed them. They actually died. So medicine, one second, I want to make, Maddie, stop there for a second. Medicine is a different situation because patients don't understand the, how medicine works necessarily. So that's something else. Not, that's, a, that's a different case. It's important what you admit. get to that, yeah. Gosh. What's... Right. No, uh, yeah, so it, it's a good point. We're going to discuss all that. What, what's the medical term for heebie-jeebies? What's the medical term for heebie-jeebies? Okay. So... so Is there, is there insurance code for that? <laughs> Can you bill because he came in and then you had to wheel him back? Is there something you could bill for? Okay. Um, okay, so so uh, again, so this case, I, I want to mention because in Shelley's context, you know, the, the story is like this, meaning, uh, you know what, let's read the next case and then I'll tell my story. Um, okay, so again, Rabiana is making a statement here um, that uh, you go, you're lenient, and you go with the patient, um, in this case, versus the doctor, because we have this concept, patient, uh, patient might feel something in their body that the, that the physician can't ascertain, okay? Um, so we go with the assessment of the patient. Um, now... Uh, yes. So now the question is, so Gamari asks an interesting question, if you see on the last line, Gamari says, Pshita, it's obvious, which is a very strange question, because this is a very, I would think, this what Ruvianne's statement is saying is a very big chidush, as we call it in chidush, in Gamara terms, which is he's saying a novel idea, very important novel idea, which you think would be, wow, and the Gemara is saying, yeah, it's obvious to me. 
If a person knows better, then why, why do I need the Mishnah, why do I need Dravyani to make the statement? And the Gemara answers to that question, which is a strange question. The Gemara answers, Mao Sema, I would have thought, Rofe Kim doctor knows best. Right? The doctor knows more than the physician. Um, and that, I would have thought, that's what I would have thought. And therefore, the Talmud, the Ravyana is teaching us, therefore, this verse teaches us from, from Proverbs that even so, it is the old person who knows his own suffering better than anyone else. So, sounds, it's, it's interesting back and forth here, but for some reason, it's saying that you, you, it's like an obvious statement. Now, the reason why I believe it's obvious, and this is what I want to get to, is because, the, like, we, like, like we mentioned before, when Ed asked this question, which is that any time you have a doubt when it comes to saving a life, you're going to go and err on the side of caution. Okay? Even if it's 10% versus 90%, okay? Or even, maybe even 5%, we'll see exactly when the numbers are pretty vague. But what I'm saying is, the point is, even a small danger to life, we're going to go ahead and try to, um, try to, uh, one second, um, we're going to try to, we're always going to err on the side of caution. Now the reason is, we, we mentioned this, one is, there's two ways to understand, and one is actually, interestingly enough, the verse that we know this, how do we know this to be true? Because there's a verse in the Torah that says, when it comes to capital punishment, um, it says, the job, our job as a judge, and not jury, but a judge, is to, when it comes to someone's on trial for capital punishment, says the job of the judge is to try to save the defendant, interestingly enough. That means if there's any doubt to whether this person is 100% guilty, we don't kill him. So we see when it comes to life, even if there's a 5% chance this person might not be guilty, we have no right to kill, to, to, to uh, apply capital punishment. That's a verse in the Torah again. In Deuteronomy, it says, um, you should save the, save the person, try to save the person. So we're, that's where the concept of we're very liberal as Jews. Um, one of the sources might be that verse right there. Again, applying capital punishment is only if the person is 100% guilty. Um, that's number one. There's another, the other place is the famous verse, as we discussed many times. Vechaibahem tells you, Torah says, you shall live by the commandments. That means, if Tosus interprets that to, later on here in this piece of Gemara, that if there's any chance that any mitzvah, including this mitzvah of Yom Kippur, can endanger the person's life or lead to a dangerous person's life, we don't do the mitzvah. Even if there's a small danger, it says, Vechaibah, you shall live by it. So, not only if the person's surely going to die, but even if there's a even a chance the person can die by keeping the mitzvah, um, you're exempt and the, the, you override, in this case, Yom Kippur. Okay, so that's number, that's just to get that out of the way, I understand. So, for example, there's, there's a famous story, um, and, and we mentioned before, Ignoramus, there's a famous story with, uh, with uh, Chaim Salvechik, the brisker, uh, he was known as, actually, the uh, famous Rav and Brisk, and he was very, very lenient when it came to saving life. This is not only about Yom Kippur, when it came to, Yom, to any issue, Shabbos, violating Shabbat, violating Yom Kippur, any, any danger to life, he would automatically rule, don't fast, you don't have to do, just give the person to eat. Okay, so they, they, someone once asked him, he said, how could you be so, so lenient? It's Yom Kippur. It's, we're talking about Yom Kippur, which is like we said, it's, it's, a curse. it's a pretty serious thing. So he said, I'm not being lenient on Yom Kippur, I'm being strict on Pikuach Nefesh. On life, the Torah commands us to be strict on saving lives. So, yes, it's 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 life versus Yom Kippur. So I'm not being lenient on Yom Kippur and Shabbat. I'm being lenient. I'm being strict on saving lives. It's another story with him where, actually, the actually with his son, um, the the as we know, Yashar Ber Salavechik was the dean of YU, was the Rosh Hashiva of YU. He was a grandson of this Rav Chaim's. When he was a child, he heard, I heard the story from from a student of his said over in class, when he was a child, very ill, very sick, sickly as a child, and uh, it was a pretty bad situation, and the doctor came to the house to assess him one Shabbat, and the doctor um, told, his, told his father, Moshe Salvechik, said, turn, turn down the kerosene, in those days they had kerosene lamps in the house, he said, turn down the kerosene lamp, because the, the light is not good for him. Um, the light is, is, this is on Shabbat, he said, the light is not good for his eyes. So turn down the lamp. And Shabbat. So the um, Moshe Salvechik, his father got all nervous. His grandfather was in the room, and he got all nervous. He didn't want it was Shabbat. He said, "Turn on the lamp. It's not even a medical issue. You know, it's not even a, 
he, he so he he was scared to turn uh, you know he was like hesitating he said Shabbos he'd never violated Shabbat before so his father Chaim Salvechik slammed his foot on the ground is what he said and said you ignoramus you you're an ignoramus and he said, get up there and shut the lamp and he and he he got up on the chair on Shabbat and he shut the lamp but then in, in Brisk if you understand this this dynasty this family being called an ignoramus is much it's the worst insult you could possibly give someone Okay, he's being called an ignoramus. So uh, he made him shut the lamp. He said, when it comes to Bikol Nefesh, you don't play around. So, we, so again, we're strict when it comes to saving lives. And, uh, um, and therefore, in this case, we're going to go with the patient. And we're not necessarily saying the patient is correct versus the doctor. And it's important to understand this because people who seem to be struggling with this issue, when the doctor says, of course we understand the doctor might know better. But we're saying if there's any chance the patient might be right, that's sufficient for us to go ahead and to um, and to be lenient. Okay, so now the next case will show this the opposite way. So the next case uh, discusses. Where am I here? So in the next case here on top of the page where, where it says if Rofei Amar Tzarich, if the doctor says he needs to eat, the Chol Amar Tzarich. And now in this case the, the patient saying the opposite. I don't need to eat. So now in this case we should say based on this verse of Proverbs that the, the patient knows what's going on in his body better than anyone else. So we venture to say, so again we should listen to the patient based on what we said before. Okay, the patient saying, I don't need to eat, I'm totally fine, I feel great. Doctor saying, no, your situation, you need to eat. The patient saying, I feel great. In this case, it says the opposite. Show him in the roughly, we listen to the doctor. So what happened here? What changed? How could that be? Why are we listening to the doctor here all of a sudden when a second ago we said the patient knows best? So again, it goes back to this point when you have two opinions, so, so we're going to go with them really with the most lenient. So it's not necessarily about the what patient knows best, because in this case, the Gemara says, how could that be? My timer, we just stated before this contradicts the, the Gemara is acknowledging this is contradicting the previous statement which says the patient knows more about his body than the doctor. So the Gemara says, in this case, we're going to say, um, that the patient's judgment is impaired because they're ill and therefore we're going to go with the doctor so a very clear contradiction to the previous statement we're only going to go with the patient when he's being lenient we're only going to say the patient knows best if he's being lenient and he's saying I have to eat so therefore again there's a suffix there's a little doubt even though probably the doctor is usually right but since we have this concept that a patient might know more in certain instances than the doctor, whether you're calling it heebie-jeebies, whether you're calling it actual what they feel in their body, that's debatable and how to exactly understand it. But either way, that's only when he's being lenient and says, I need to eat. But in the case where he's contradicting the doctor and the doctor's saying he has to eat and he's saying he doesn't have to eat, we're going to say in that case that his, his illness might be impairing his judgment and therefore we're going to be lenient again in this case and go with the doctor. I don't know if that makes someone feel better or worse, but that might help here to, uh, to understand that it's really about the end of the day, whenever we have a situation where we're not sure and there could be a risk to life, we're always going to go um, with the lenient, the lenient case. Okay? So it's meaning, the way I understand it like this, and this is uh, uh, just to, to summarize, is meaning when a patient contradicts a doctor, we're really not sure, who's, we're not sure is the patient's opinion more reliable than the doctor or not. We don't know. So now we have a nice verse in, in Mishle, Proverbs, but is that really the final say? On one hand, we're saying he's more familiar with, with his condition. Yes, that's true. The patient is more familiar. That's what the verse is saying in Mishle. On the other hand, we're saying in this case, where he's contradicting the doctor, the sickness might have caused him to lose some of this extra measure of insight. If someone's in a bad situation, as we know, if they're, especially when they're fasting, they might, uh, you know, their, their, their clear knowledge might be, um, and their insight might not be as lucid as they normally are. Therefore, when it comes to matters of life and death, we're saying we're going to always go with the more lenient opinion, whether it's the patient or the doctor, um, um, and, and uh, in a normal circumstance if they're contradicting the doctor and they're being more lenient to the patient we're going to say we're going to assume that their judgment is sound okay um, but if they're contradicting the doctor and they're being more strict 
then we're going to assume their judgment has deteriorated in that situation. So it's interesting to see both sides of the coin. Okay, now, any questions before we move on? Go ahead, Manny. Yeah, so in this case, that's our ruling. You're right. So that's this last. Yeah, so this last statement saying very clearly that patient versus doctor, and the patient saying, I want to fast, the doctor saying, You can't fast, you need to go with the doctor. And as we'll say, see soon, if, if they don't listen, in the case where the Allah says they have to break their fast and they don't fast, so they. It's as if they're committing suicide. The, the, the Allah says very clearly, it's. Um, they're blood is, they're going to be held accountable for their own blood, meaning in a case where Allah says you need to break your fast they need to break the fast yeah, and the rabbi needs to push that that's something the rabbi needs to be aware of um, as, we'll, as we'll see okay, so um, by the way, the Allah also says very clearly that a rabbi needs to be an expert in these laws um, and he needs to be known by heart, he needs to be able to answer on the spot because as we know, as in shul situations arise, many situations arise in shul on Yom Kippur where patients are coming over to the rabbi and if he does not able to answer on the spot that could be endangering the patient's life um, so it's, it's very important that a rabbi knows these halachas back, uh, literally on the back of his hand and can answer on the spot without having to look it up or call his rabbi or, you know, etc, etc because again, if he doesn't if he's not able to answer on the spot, that itself can endanger the patient's life, where he's going to go and say, one second, I need to look at the Talmud, I need to look at the Alacha, I need to find out, I'm not sure in your situation. Um, and that itself could prolong, by prolonging, uh, not giving an answer immediately, an immediate answer, could endanger the patient. So, and it says, then it's the rabbi's responsibility for whatever happens to that patient. So it says, therefore, rabbis, therefore, you need to make sure you dive in a shul where the rabbi knows, knows what he's talking about. That's important. Um, in these areas. Number two is, um, um, it says, as a matter of fact, it says that let's say the rabbi is not answering immediately. He says, I'm not sure. And someone else knows the halacha. Normally, there's a general principle. You're not, one is not allowed to rule halacha ruling in front of their rabbi because it's not honor for the rabbi. But it says that Shochanach, in this case, there's no honor here. If the rabbi is humming and hoing and he does, he's not sure about the halacha, anyone could come up, any of you guys now that you know this halacha can get up there and push the rabbi aside and rule halachically in this case because we don't mess around again when it comes to people's lives. So now the, the, the Talmud, so again, Rabbi made a very clear statement, we're always going to rule leniently with the patient as opposed to the doctor, or if, if the patient is more lenient, the doctor as opposed to the patient, when the doctor is more lenient. So now he says, he quotes, the, the, the Gemara now is going to, dissect this ruling of Rav Yannin because he says the Mishnah seems to imply differently and it's going to quote the Mishnah going back to the Mishnah it says Tanan we learned in the Mishnah Cholo Machilin also on top of the page here Apibiki on top of your screens the, the patient you, the Mishnah's first statement is you feed him based on experts says the Talmud Apibiki in the implication of this Mishnah is you're only feeding him at the advice of the medical experts Apiatzmo um, but based on his own advice low the statement seems to be saying that you don't feed him on his own medical advice. The mission seems to be saying so. How could Rav Yannai seems is seems to be a statement? Rav Yannai's statement seems to be contradicting the Mishnah, which says we only feed him based on medical advice, on expert medical advice. Pibaki echad lo. So the Gemara, so the Gemara answers to that question. I'm here in the English, Rav Yannai's opinion is it further implies that according to the advice of several experts, yes. Um, one feeds an ill person. Whoever, according to the advice of only one expert, the language also the Gemara is pointing out is bikiyin in the plural sense. One one doctor, one expert advice is not sufficient. You have to feed him based on experts' advice. Okay, in the Hebrew here it's in plural. So one expert is not sufficient. There appears to be a requirement for at least two doctors, which also contradicts Rivianne's opinion that the opinion of one expert is, is sufficient to override the opinion of the ill person. So what's going on here? How many 
First of all, do we only feed him based on expert medical advice? Secondly, the question is, it says experts, which is plural. So the Gemara goes on to say, scrolling down here, the Gemara rejects this and says, um, which means, what, what we have to understand what the mission is saying, the context. So it says, the mission is dealing with a different case. What's the case we're dealing with here? We're dealing with a unique circumstance where it says, the ill person says, I do not need food. And the consultation of experts is required. Gemara suggests, but let them feed him according to the advice of one expert. Why do we need multiple experts? As Rivyane said, in such a circumstance, one feeds the ill person based on the advice of one doctor. You only need one doctor. Gemara answers, no, the requirement of two experts is necessary in a specific case where there is another third expert with him who says that the ill person does not need to eat. So this is a, now we're getting into the nitty-gritty here. Talmud says, what the mission is referring to is a case like this. You have the patient say he doesn't have to eat. He, this is, picture this case, you're in shul. Standard shul has, as we know, around at least even a small shul, and forget Beth Yishur, even a little shtibel, has at least five Jewish doctors there. Okay, one might be a dermatologist, the other guy is a, you know, a OBGYN. Um, but they all think they know everything, as we know. Doctors think they're God, especially when it comes to uh, religion. So, so now they're all in shul, this patient's fainting, he just passed out, he's very weak. So we go, they go and they ask the doctor, um, so this patient says, nah, I'm totally fine, I always faint, it's, it's normal. Every Yom Kippur I pass out, it's great. Don't worry about it, chill out. So you have one doctor agreeing with him that it's fine. And then you have two other doctors saying that it's not fine, that he needs to break his fast. Okay, so then that's the case that we're saying is the experts, plural, two experts will override the patient and the other doctors in this case. So this is the case again. Um, the Gemara answers, the requirement of two experts is necessary in a case where there is, n there is another third expert with him who says that the ill person does not need to eat. So you have the patient and the expert, and one expert saying he doesn't have to eat. In such a case, one feeds the ill person according to the advice of the two experts who agree that he requires it. Okay. English. doesn't mean an English patient or an English doctor, just I was copying and pasting into the program. This was the English side. Okay? So uh, we don't listen to English doctors, we don't listen to... Um, so, so again, so you understand this case? So this is a case where you have two doctors versus patient and doctor. So we're going to go with the two doctors. Got that? Nobody's commenting. Okay. We're going to move on down here. So the Gemara goes on to say, why do I need the mission to tell me that? Pshita. Again, that's obvious. Since it's a case of uncertainty concerning a life-threatening situation, we already established that fact. Anytime you have uncertainty here, you have two versus the patient and doctor. In all cases of uncertainty concerning a life-threatening situation, the Allah is lenient. So why do I need, again, the mission to tell me that case? Gemara answers, no. This Allah is necessary in a case where there are two other doctors who along with the old person say that he's not need food. Although Rav Safra said that normally, so this is a question in when it comes to legalities in Jewish law, forget medicine, you're in court. So as we know, two, you always require, we all, in halacha requires two witnesses for any criminal case or monetary case. Uh, well, monetary is questionable. Any criminal case, we always require two witnesses. So the question becomes, what happens if I have two witnesses saying one thing and two witnesses saying another thing? Um, one witness is never accepted in, in a Jewish court of law, generally speaking. Again, not medical, we're talking about criminal. So it says, although Rav Safra says, says the Gemara, that two witnesses are like 100 witnesses, that means once I have a, a, a group of two, there's no difference if you have the two versus two or two versus 100 witnesses, Allah views them all the same. The Torah says two witnesses are credible. So once I have two witnesses in a criminal case, we view that as a witness, as a unit, and they're, val they're credible witnesses. As long as after cross-examination they hold up. Um, we don't care the number of the opposite side witnesses saying the opposite. They're viewed as we have two credible, two groups of credible witnesses versus are both saying opposite things. Whatever the law is in that case. However, in the matter of assessing a situation, so one second, so and one hundred so we have two two witnesses on one side, a hundred witnesses on the other side, and one hundred witnesses are like two witnesses. That rule applies specifically to matter of testimony. So what we're saying is that's why I could have thought differently here. Um, then maybe here you have two experts versus the one expert in the patient, says the Talmud, that only applies that concept of two 
we view as a group only when it comes to testimony in a court of law. However, in the matter of assessing a situation, we follow majority of opinions. Therefore, one might think that in this case, the ill person should not be fed because the opinion of two doctors plus the ill person should override the opposing opinion of the other two doctors. And he, they're saying he shouldn't eat. Okay, says the Gemara, no, that's not applicable here. Generally speaking, two or more witnesses constitute complete testimony, and there's no difference between the testimony of two and the testimony of a large number of people. However, specific, the principle of following the majority applies specifically to assessing monetary issues. But here is a case of uncertainty concerning a life-threatening situation. Therefore, although it is the opinion of two doctors against the opinion of two doctors and the ill person, the ill person must eat. So meaning, so there's a very important concept we're going to see here, which very important across all medical ethics is normally in the Torah majority rules okay so they have differing opinions in halacha we go with the majority opinion that's a, a biblical principle actually but what we're saying is when it comes to risk to one's life even a minority we're going to go even with the minority opinion majority does not rule so if I have take a case where I have expert doctors and again this is very much applicable to COVID-19 um, where you have Many doctors across the world are saying, yeah, don't worry about it, chill out. If you're not old, you're, you're not in the risk category, you know, don't worry about it, you don't have to wear a mask, it's not your problem, you know, you're not going to, you know, this is one of, of 92, um, you know, only, you know, it's a 5% chance. Someone sent me a joke this morning on a WhatsApp, I'll read it to you. Um, it says, I thought about telling you a COVID-19 joke, but there's a 99.62% chance that you won't get it. Ha <laughs> ha. No one's laughing. You understand the joke? Does anyone get the joke? Nobody? <laughs> yes. Okay. Nobody's uh, people are falling asleep. So we're, we're going to be out of time. But the point is, right, so many expert doctors in the world are saying there's a 99% chance or a 96% chance, whatever number, that you're not going to get COVID. So why are we making everyone crazy? Even some expert doctors are saying that. But once we have Fauci, who is an expert doctor, saying differently, so the Talmud saying here, we don't go by majority of opinions. If you have an expert in infectious disease telling you that there's a chance here that someone's life could be at risk, so we're going to go even with the minority when it comes to saving life. So as we say, we'll, we'll apply this in the coming weeks, but, but um, it's very clear here that majority doesn't rule when it comes um, to, to death. I'm going to end off here with this last piece. It says, Mabravashi said, any instance where a chola says, where a patient says, I need to eat, even if there are 100 doctors, he disagrees with Vianna, who say that the, that the patient does not need to eat. So just goes to show you how serious we take um, life when it comes to halacha. So again, you have the patient saying, I, I need to eat. You have 100 doctors in Beth and saying, one second, then, saying this guy's totally fine. He just, uh, he just wants to get out of shul. He can't take the rabbi's sermon anymore. just needs to leave and go home. Right? So in that case, says the Talmud, where it says Ravashi, he disagrees with the previous opinion of Ravani. He says the heart knows the bitterness of the soul, and therefore we're going to go with the patient, even against the 100 doctors. We don't rule like this, um, so don't get excited. But just to show you again how um, in Allah, we, we, how serious we take uh, health issues.